I've been following it for about five years, right before I went to college. I uh, looked into it a little bit, fell in love with it almost instantly. What, and what got you into it? My uncle is a general manager at a small Chevy store and I loved his lifestyle, so I wanted to go follow that. That's Kyle Von Bommel. He's a senior at the Automotive Marketing and Management Program at Northwood University. He, like millions of other soon-to-be college grads this coming June, will finish his college career and look to enter the professional workforce. However, with record high employment rates, and as such, it is an employer's market, how does someone like Kyle best position himself to secure a job? The answer may surprise you. Yeah, I think besides an internship, actually being under the wing of a manager is something that a lot of people look past. A mentorship more Mentor. of a mentorship than an internship. Uh, to see it from an angle that will be in five or 10 years or whenever someone who graduates becomes a manager. Kyle represents the sentiment of most people who are still in the infancy stages of their career. He is seeking wisdom and experience as a teaching tool. This is not a new concept. However, it is ambitious because if Kyle was a mentor, this is what he would expect from his mentee. I would make the student below me do actual work, actual important work, and I can actually see the impact I make day to day, month to month, to see the dealership grow from my ideas, from what I've actually done versus a simulation where I can kind of tell what's going on, but I actually don't see the impact happening. In this episode, we hear from the Vice President of Marketing at Automotive Mastermind, Mrs. Georgia Favaretto Illig. Not only is she a big proponent of mentorship programs, but she's actively participated as a mentee and as a mentor. Stay tuned to hear more from Georgia and how to think or rethink about a mentorship program. Before we get to today's episode. Listeners, I want to thank some of you who have left reviews on Apple Podcasts. Clairvoyance writes, I met Dennis in Las Vegas at NADA and he impressed me with the work he's doing for retailers and the future of automotive. I look forward to hearing this month's episodes. Thank you, Clairvoyance, and I look forward to you hearing this month's episodes. Jamwed247 writes, I'm a new fan of the show, and Dennis does a nice job in creating a welcoming listening experience where I don't feel propaganda in my ear. Well, thank you for that. Certainly an interesting review. Alex on Demand writes, A great show and professionally produced. Guests are top-notch in their respected fields. Thank you, Alex on Demand, for your kind words. Listeners, thank you very much for your reviews of Wisco Weekly. Please keep them coming in. If you get the chance, please do write in a review on Apple Podcasts, or you can even do it on Facebook. Just visit the Facebook business page for Wisco Weekly. You can visit WiscoWeeklyPod.com and get to our Facebook page or get to the Apple iTunes page, and you can leave a review there. So I appreciate that. Now, let's get into the show. You are now tuned in to the 
tuned in to the Wisco Weekly Experience. Mabuhay, bienvenidos, vitaita, willkommen, and welcome to Wisco Weekly. Listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode. I'm your host, Dennis Wisco, and you're tuned into the podcast that is exploring the new business models for the mobility of people and goods. I'm recording at the Las Vegas Convention Center at the National Automobile Dealers Association Conference, or better known as the show. Men, women, and children, I'm happy to bring on today's guest. Today's guest is a model to follow. Listen closely, a model to follow. She has a long work history with some very intensive work experiences. Throughout her career, she's been involved at the management and operational levels of sales, marketing, and demand generation. The operational levels are where she filed her nails. She filed her nails? What, Dennis? How do you know that? Well, have a look on her Instagram and eventually your eyes will catch these yoga positions. I'm not a full-blown yogi, but I do know enough to say that A, those positions aren't often the most popular to post. And B, it takes a whole lot of skill, patience, and strength to pull off those poses. I'm certain that throughout her career, she's been patient, she's been curious, and she's always sought to do better, to be better, and when called upon, to be decisive. And kudos to her because it's obviously worked out. She's originally from Venice, Italy, and holds a Bachelor of Arts in Economics and Business Administration from Universita Cafoscari or better known as the University of Venice, and she holds a Certificate of Marketing from the University of San Diego. Here to discuss the topic of mentoring, men, women, and children, please welcome to the show the Vice President of Marketing for Automotive Mastermind, Mrs. Georgia Favaretto Illig. Hi, Dennis. This Hello, is, Georgia. Uh, probably the best introduction I've ever had in my life. Well, this is the first of many Obviously, your career speaks for itself. So again, I mean, in a very uh, objective manner in serving just your online reputation, it's definitely you've, you've demonstrated success. It seems like not only, you know, were you leading things, but you got involved, you got your hands dirty and that's gotten to where you are. Is that is that a fair statement? I absolutely I, I don't know if I could say this publicly, but I think being an immigrant and having to demonstrate myself from day one, it's been a huge motivator. Ooh, tell me about that actually. No, it's true. I I, I, I think, you know, you come in, you really feel like the United States is the right fit for you and your drive and um, your willingness to really put your heart and soul at work and you have to feel like you have to demonstrate your value multiple times over. <laughs> that, that Yeah, that is like an, uh, an outside external pressure that's kind of like if you were starting new in an organization, you're looking to prove yourself. And in your case, you're obviously trying to prove your citizenship or your- you Yeah, know. But even the language skills, right? Mm. Like I, I was, uh, it's funny how I put myself in positions like a marketing position where being not only fluent in a language, but being very proficient and very eloquent to speak for a brand or um, to represent a company in the right way. You know, it's a double whammy of challenges, you know, being 
English not being my first language. So you sort of have to work that much more harder, than, right? Yes. Yeah, no, that makes sense, actually, huh? Well, George, I actually kind of think of it. There's something I do want to ask you here. Yeah. So well, you and I spoke previously, and I, it's only appropriate that I would love for you to share what you remember about Kobe Bryant. You know, his memorial service just occurred. And so, you know, I have been profoundly impacted by a guy I've never met, but he's entered my home for 20 years. And it I, again, I'm, I'm so distraught. And sometimes I'm I, admittedly like I haven't cried. And there's a part of me that I like I need to just let it go. But you you spoke about how you remember Kobe. Can you share that with me again? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, it's interesting. I feel the same way. I've obviously never met the guy, but, you know, in so many different ways. Actually, Kobe for Italians means so much. Mm. Like He was um, raised in Italy for a, a big chunk of his young adulthood. Yep. And, um, you know, that's how where he learned how to play basketball and um, has a, had a, a huge attachment to Italy. And um, I recently listened to his interviews in Italian, unfortunately, after he passed away. And I, want, I, I did cry, actually. His Italian was amazing, uh, even though he's left a long time ago. And he really spoke from his heart and how much that culture meant to him. And, you know, I love basketball. And I lived in Southern California for the first decade of my life in the United States. I brought my dad to see the Lakers when he, they were winning with Kobe. Um, so it's, um, yeah, I, a lot of it, I mean, if you go to Italy now, a lot of people are talking about it and be very mm. distraught about Kobe. Mm, yeah, it's, uh, you know, rest in peace Mamba and hopefully we can all embody the Mamba mentality. And, and that's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna honor Kobe Bryant by discussing the Mamba mentality mentoring ship. Well, and he taught that, right? Cause that's exactly what he was doing. That's, that's his legacy post, you know, his big career in basketball. That's, that's, that's exactly what he was doing with women. With, with I mean, obviously he had three, four daughters, um, but, um, you know, he was coaching his own daughter to be a successful basketball player. And that's amazing. Like, and his belief in women. Yeah, it, that, that's actually a really good point uh, in that mentoring often occurs in the sports realm. And we can get into this a little bit later, but certainly there's lots of elements of a mentorship program that can be mirrored from a sports culture or sports organization. Obviously, though, in our case, we're involved in the automotive space and the technology space. Uh, maybe share with me, you know, what are you seeing now in the automotive and technology space that, you know, these organizations need to rethink what a membership program or mentorship program is? Yeah, or even think about it for the first time for that or, matter, right? Or the, or the first time. <laughs> yeah. I hope they're not thinking about it for the first time. Well, I think a lot of people are. I mean, and, and not just in the automotive industry, the truth is, like, finally the industry at large, I mean, the the business at large is thinking more and more about the importance of uh, mentorship. But I think it's also, like, potentially in dealership, the mentality is still um, a bit old school, if you will. So is a lot of people for a lot of people that has never occurred as being a possibility and i spoke at the women in automotive in december about this and i had a lot of women saying we really would love 
our dealership to have a structured mentorship that can help not not just women, they have anybody within the dealership to feel appreciated and also to feel like they have an opportunity to grow within the organizations. And I realize, and, and they all tell me like a lot of my, um, a lot of uh, dealership that they work with, they just never even thought of that as a possibility, right? So it's, it isn't. It, it seems obvious once you start talking about it, but it's not obvious. Even for me, as a personal experience, um, you know, back a few years back, before I was actually fortunate enough to have a mentor, both in a structured so way, but also informally it never occurred to me that that's something I should seek out or ask for. It felt like almost daunting because it's like, oh, mentorship, what does that mean? Does that person have to be involved? Does it have to be, you know, Mm -hmm. like onerous? Yeah, there's there's almost, there hasn't been this kind of formal guidelines put forth in a mentoring program because I could even think of early on in my career, you know, my mentors were my bosses. And and two in particular that I can think of, it's not like I asked them, though, either, which I think that is something kind of unique these days where actually there there is almost a formal ask that needs to happen, too. But certainly when in in some of the in two of the jobs where two of my mentors uh, where I I gained two of my mentors, it was they were my boss. I, I was I saw what they were doing. I liked it. I didn't understand it. I wanted them to teach me. And it was and and. That's how it was. And then in hindsight, then it's like, oh, yeah, Blake Sasaki, Frank Tellerico. These were my mentors. Correct. And, but you probably didn't call it that. No, that no. Time. Right. Yeah, exactly. And also you were probably lucky enough to have amazing bosses. Right. But it doesn't mean that your direct boss is always the right person to be your mentor. You, you obviously can learn. You should be always learning from a senior uh, person in your career. But direct bosses sometimes is hard to consider a mentor especially in in mm-hmm. in the moment mm-hmm. right so it's actually good to search for mentorship across the organization or outside the organization and i think it you don't have to search for it as in like this is your mission you have to be open to the idea of saying keeping at my eyes open for who i get I, I feel like this connection and I feel like they can teach me something and also I can teach them something. And that's back to the dealership and, or the automotive. Teach them something. You mean the mentee teaching? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, that's actually a big point for me because I realized very early on that I was shy about thinking about somebody being a mentor because I always thought that there would be just an onerous uh, part of on them but really like them the smartest senior leaders in any organizations realize that mentorship it's a mutual beneficial relationship yeah Uh, my experience a few years back with the president of my organization when i was at thomson reuter and she was running a three billion dollar company so she didn't really have to mentor me or didn't have to do anything but she, we got along very well and accidentally in a meeting and we both had our ears open for, you know, continuing the relationship. And I realized very quickly that she wanted to, you know, take me under her wing and mentor me also because it was, she recognized very quickly it was beneficial for her, especially for the leader at the high, highest level of the organization. They lose track of what's on the ground. So 
having a, a mentee that is a couple of two or three layers lower and they have that ears on the ground and they can actually you know make them aware of things not necessarily bad things but like things that are going on in the organization keeping the pulse on the organization who's happy culturally speaking and all that so that like ha- it's, it's, it sounds like having a spy no it's true but it's not a spy in a bed so that's what i'm being careful about telling mm. you this it's it's it's, a, it's not a spy as in like she's gonna she he or she is gonna hear bad you know what's going on who's mm-hmm. bad but literally leaders at the highest level don't necessarily know um a lot of the things in their organization even just the culture like everything goes well who's happy what's going on Mm -hmm. like what can we do better right that's keeping two or three levels sometimes is beneficial on Mm -hmm. on the big stuff yeah right right? right, so it's not just seen as like a spy or somebody that is trying to you know but but it makes sense though i mean i i guess it's it's interesting that this idea of a mentorship program is now a two-way street because certainly it was not that case before and i mean you know if if we think of it now as working adults and having graduated through these stages in our career we know when we're dealing with customers the biggest thing that we can do is provide better value to them so that they opt into our product or our service. And that's kind of the relationship between mentor and mentee. A mentee can offer great value to the mentor as long as that mentee does have something to offer. 100%. And so I, it I has think, to be that way. Uh-huh. And that's the other thing. It's about like the mentee needs to understand that they have to be the most active in the relationship in meaning like, you know, putting a coffee on the calendar, just asking intelligent questions, like, and then bringing something to the table of like, um, you know, intel or informations or things that it becomes a mutual kind of relationship, right? To bring it back to the dealership, you know, if you look at the dealership structure and, you know, what was old school mentality of how to sell cars, et cetera, it's becoming really quickly obsolete and how dealing the disruptor of the industry if it's the tesla or others that are going fully digital like a lot of you know the 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 more senior people don't fully grasp or understand how to do that right so if you have millennial in your in your store uh, you and you want to retain the know-how and you want to keep them happy and you want to keep them growing that a mentorship that allows them to feel that they are appreciated and recognized and given opportunities to grow, keep them happy and keep, in, keep them in the organization. Um, and at, at the same token, the leadership can um, acquire a ton of uh, natural knowledge that the millennial has on the social media or all the digital selling, because the truth of the matter is you know, the buying um, behavior is changing and the people that are going to buy more and more car are the millennial that are expecting a different buying experience. They yeah. don't want to go into the dealership and get this good old sales guide. They just don't want to do that. So if you are a smart dealer and you want to continue to grow, you maintain and foster a relationship with millennial that will continue to grow within your store and don't leave your store and keep the know-how for within your store and help the senior leader understand how to sell 
in a digital format or it, how to promote the dealership in a digital and social format. Yeah. And, you know, certainly we can see the generational differences between the baby boomer dealer owner versus the millennial or Gen Z that's coming into the workplace where, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm so I'm so in awe of, let's say, TikTok and how there are so many people that know how to make these videos and use these apps quickly and they can just they do these things so fast. And, you know, I and then when those, you know, as now we're talking about car bars, these car bars are coming down to the showroom. I mean, there has to be that digital interaction now in which a lot of them, the again, more senior um, staff members in a, in, a, in a retailing environment, they might not be as savvy, which hence they may, they may not know how to communicate then as well. Absolutely. And, and you know, a, a lot of millennials don't want to learn about cars just by watching television commercial. Exactly. That just yeah. isn't how they're going to be convinced to buy something. They're just the reality of it. Yeah. And even I, um, you know, in my mid 40s now i cannot claim to have a as good of a grasp on social media and digital um experiences as younger people that i want to hire yeah and run those things for me like i understand it understand it's needed i'm not proficient in it because i'm too old yeah right already <laughs> well it, and, and again it's just it, it's just amazing how natural it comes to, to that them. generation you know they Absolutely. could pick up any device and it's like intuitively they know how it works how to use things and, and Abs- there it absolutely is. And, and the intelligence that it provides like you know from a buying perspective like you know you want to now like the the buyer the millennial buyer is expected to be served information that applies to them. So they are accepting that they will be served ads when they're on when they're social media, when they're, you know, browsing through the internet. They accept that the big brother is following them, they've cooking them and they're gonna serve ads, but they do not want to see ads that doesn't apply that don't right. apply to them. Right. right so right. I think once we accept and understand that then you need to use technology and you need to use technology to have the ability to serve you serve the right message at the, right, the right time at the right time to the mm-hmm. right folks mm-hmm. right and you know you know the, our technology does that for sure but also you know that requires on the counterpart of at the store people that appreciates and understands the importance of it and how to use it so the decision maker should be, you know, fostering having people in their store that un- that understand naturally that language, understand naturally how to use the platform, and teach them up upwards, right? And and full and and totally um, fully utilize the potential. You know, so I had a conversation last night uh, with a, a senior in college at Northwood University, and ironically. As I asked him, so knowing that you're graduating in June and knowing that you want to work in the automotive space, what is the one thing that you would like to have now that will eventually help you? And coincidentally, he says, well, I'd like a mentor. 
That's amazing. And then so, you know, one of the things that he was describing, though, to me, and, and perhaps this kind of goes back to um, this entire ecosystem of, of a mentoring program in a, in a retail environment is, you know, he's saying, well, he would like a mentor that gives that gives him the mentee these responsibilities that these responsibilities do carry consequences but certainly under the tutelage of the mentor the risk is not as much their learning curve is great and my first thought though was well how does a mentor take on that kind of risk like how how would a mentor justify saying hey okay john smith i will take you under my wing and i will put you in charge of our behavioral marketing program and here's the software that you use and there's 10,000 customers that's uh that you're going to be targeting in this month of february good luck yeah it's not an overnight thing right so um and that's why i think there's a few levels that's why like an organization needs to understand the value and this comes from like leadership that purposefully decide to promote and sponsor this type of or this type of program if mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. want to call it um in a very in a more formal sort of setting right and and make it really public this is what we promote in our organizations and mastermind for instance um our cto who um, started about a year ago brought it in and and purposefully started um it purpose make it public we're going to start a mentorship program we're going to do it in beta and it, it made it very a very public statement that he was behind it right and so then um then you have hr involved that is helpful um in pairing the right people in promoting um you know um the right um communications in you know do the check-ins etc so you need in an organization to have somebody that takes on that, that wants to do it mm-hmm. that wants to promote it you need to be public about it you need to accept that you have to make pairings and might not always work and then you know in a few months from now I, the example for me is like i i'm now i was the mentor of one of the so now he just got promoted actually and and so it having that initial mentorship program build some of the trust on both sides and then you can have the person that become a mentor potentially can even become a sponsor of that individual and bring him in into some critical project that he trusts he or she trusts that the mentee can actually do so it is a progress i mean for that guy in the at the university that you just met it's he's not going to get it day one right. at the job but he's going to probably look for organizations that have some sort of public organized or or even if it's not totally structured that promotes and structure mentorship and if he finds some that he definitely is going to want to join it right because you know there's an opportunity for him to find somebody that trusts them and then help him grow so and and millennial and and not gen x and mm-hmm. and so on and so forth i way more aware than i was that that's it up that's a possibility therefore they're way more aware that they should be looking for organizations that are more open to that kind of um structure so let's let's dive into this mentor uh program not just at automotive mastermind but i know you yourself 
uh, are part of a mentorship program, or maybe you were. Yeah. Um, the Women in Power. Can you yeah, maybe so tell us about Women in Power and that yeah, organization? In, in New York, uh, we have a um, incredible, and a lot of people in the country know this organization called the 92Y. And it's a nonprofit organization, but it's uh, a pretty big one. And uh, they have several type of fellowships. And one fellowship they or they kicked off about uh, three, four years ago, four or five years ago, was women in power. So, okay. and their attempt is to promote more women in the C-suite. So they were looking for, you know, senior director VPs that were good candidate for growth okay and uh, my at that time the president of my company nominated you had to be nominated it was a bit of a process to actually be accepted and uh, can you take can you describe the nomination process a little bit do you remember it yeah um it was pretty gruesome actually like she they had to be like it's all an essay that it had to justify why it was worthy of it wow <laughs> and i had to write an essay and um i was you know actually a little intimidated by because I didn't know who was going to be in the program. Okay. And um, so I got got in, which was great. And there were uh, 20 women uh, in that fellowship that year. And we all were paired with one or two mentors. Um, and the mentors were very successful C-suite or presidents or entrepreneurs or um, even writers, journalists that were in the city that um, would be mentoring us. We, we we met regularly. We had a whole year where we would have on a monthly basis these workshops of all sorts of different type, ran by you know either other famous people or important people. All the mentees would participate yes. in the workshop. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we um, we had workshop throughout the year once a month. You had to commit to that. And then we had social events for networking purposes, plus our meeting with our mentors. And um, yeah, it was pretty special. I mean, the people in that organization, the 20 women, were still very close. And they've been five more mentorship programs since. So there's been more and more women. And then so the network starts to amplify, right? So now we were all in that network for all the women that's ever participated. We, we got events and things that happen regularly. So it's, uh, it's, it's amazing, especially for women, right? Because it's uh, the one thing that we have to realize, and this applies again back to the dealership world, the automotive world, uh, we are 50% of the for- workforce in mm-hmm. America, mm-hmm. and we are less than 20% of the leadership roles in the United States at whatever capacity, whatever industry uh even less so in the automotive world so very less in very the automotive much world. much mm-hmm. less so i was uh, giving general number here and um and we end up um, especially in the automotive world uh, the some of the numbers i saw the turnover rate is 80 percent for women so you the automotive world is losing a lot so women come in we they represent 50 percent, but by the end of it there are very, very few, and it's a cost. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a huge cost to the dealership, to any organization. You know, you do the math, you lose. Well, and especially since they influence a lot of the buying decisions in a household. Yes. And you're, if you're losing that as exactly. part of your workforce. Exactly. So I was getting there as well. Like it's a there's a cost, physical cost to train a new person, the loss of know-how, etc. 
and also like if you have less and less women you have less and less representations of understanding how the buying uh, decisions are made in any household so you lose money you lose know-how and you lose even just like general understanding how to sell a car better um, so there's a lot of loss so and, and women feel more intimidated about you know staying the job like in, in, in a very heavily women a men led um, mm-hmm. industry, industry. Yeah. so if we feel we have mentorship if we feel that we valued in our growth then we stick around a lot more and um, you know we feel more comfortable and we, we feel like we can grow and, and I think that's a win-win yeah. goes without saying right maybe a more personal question just to get inside the mind of George a little bit more if you at this point in your career had to ask for a mentor what does that mentor look like that's a very difficult question to answer um well i mean obviously you know if i take aside like the um you know the intelligence the drive the success the you know the the background of a person is um i would look for somebody that i connect with personally and and that really depends. I've connected with men, I've connected with women. It's, it, you know, having the, some of the same values, you know, about appreciate and understand, um, you know, the, the, the need for women to stay in the job force, to have a balanced life, same value about family and kids and, and, uh, and work and life balance, but at the same time, like, um, value of, of, of what I bring to the table so it's it's really like it would be it, it's 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 less objective and that's like I cannot draw it in a piece of paper um, it's it's really about feelings about connection with somebody I mean I guess one of the reasons why I asked that question is because as as I think about your answer to me I don't know if if a mentee at the age of 20 would also be able to discern other than to communicate exactly what you're communicating, right? Somebody I connect with, somebody I look up to, someone then that shares some of my interests, something that is someone that I can learn from. I guess now the, you know, one of the next steps then is how, if there's not a formal mentorship in place, how does a mentee make a proposal? Yeah, and I think actually, not to quote um, people here necessarily, but like, um, Cheryl Son- Sonberg, did I say her name? From uh, Lean Facebook? Leaning, yeah. So, you know, her book can be controversial and some people agree to it and not. But one thing that she said is, like, actually don't go and make an official, don't go and say, do you want to be my mentor? Okay, that can interesting. Be, that, that can really put somebody off because you need to build a relationship. So if you recognize that you uh, admire somebody, that you think you can learn something from somebody, that you think you can get along with somebody, I think you need to first and foremost build some sort of rapport. Okay. And it could be like, you know, ask for coffee, ask for like career advice, like something, put out an intelligent question um, that can, you know, spike the interest of, of, of this other individual, like the other leader or some more senior person, because they, people are open to, most people want to help other people. And when they feel that somebody's asked them a question that is smart and that uh, require their expertise, they actually feel 
they they feel good about it. They 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 search for that, yep, and yep. so it actually might get a very good response and can start a conversation. So it doesn't have to be like, "Do you want to be my mentor?" So it's, it could be something like, you know, I've done all these things. This is other things I like to do. Given your expertise. Would you have any recommendation for me? What can I? Is there any books that I should read? Is there any course that I should take? Is there any podcast that or, or anything? Or yeah, Wisco Weekly podcast. That's the Wisco, one they should exactly. <laughs> um, is there like a side project I should be taking? That's a good on? one. That's a good one. Exactly. So the, you can it depends on the situations, you know. And they, um, can I, you know, take the weekend to come or to this event that you're at? Can I come listen to? Um, whatever it is right and then you actually will get 99.9 percent um unless the person's a jerk (laughs) (laughs) um a really good answer and and it'll make the person feel good about you know being asked to to share their expertise and it could be a good uh you know uh, door opener for for a longer conversation and a longer relationship no those are actually great tips and I love I love the project one, the the side project, because this actually kind of gets more into, let's say, personal relationships. But, you know, one of the things for me that I thought about in in terms of dating uh, back in my late 20s, when I'm like, okay, I I should I look I need to start settling down here. And what are how, how am I going to discern who the right partner is for me? And one of the things that I came across was, well, I want to be able to work on a project with that person because I think working on a project is going to demonstrate a lot of the intangible chemistry that we may or may not have. And I think that would go the same then between a mentor and a mentee. When they're working together on a project, you can, you know, sometimes you might look up to this mentee and you might find all these things that are great. And then all of a sudden something comes across and it's like, well, why isn't he or she communicating with me anymore why like i this is when i need them the most and and it just so happens again like maybe expectations were off but unless you engage in something together like a project you don't really get to know the ins and outs of of people yeah and that's one uh, for sure the other thing i was going to say when you engage with more senior people and say you want to bring an issue on the the you know, to them that relates to the organization, say, I noticed A, B, and C is not going well. Like there's, you know, sales are down here, service drop, whatever it is in, in the dealership. Try to come come with a question and a proposed, even so- if it's like wrong, but it's a proposed set of solutions. And it's not that your solution might be the one that the person picks, or is it, but it's a much better way to phrase the problem. And the person might even say, oh, interesting. Then if you think about these, these are potentially good option, then you can bring it like, and I'd like to be involved in the solution. I'd like to, and that can be bringing a project idea or anything. Because if you are bringing an issue and you, yourself at the center of the solution or trying to be part of that solution then it opens a lot of conversations well and i loved how you phrased that too of bringing a solution to the table because by bringing a solution to the table right or wrong it's properly framing the problem right. and, and again they the 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 mentor the leader 
he may know a little bit better. And so knowing what the solution is, he can he or she can also then see, ah, I, I see how the, the, the mentee is looking at this. Correct. And OK, that's 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 actually a valid point. Yeah. I, you know, we can definitely uh, argue about the solution, but I, I see what they're thinking now. Yeah, exactly. Then you show initiatives, right? Number one. Number two, you you kind of disclose some of your mindset and how you think of problems, how you think of solutions. Number three, the last thing a leader wants is for you to come and unload the problem on their on their lap. They want to hear the good, problem. Good, good, good advice. But but they also want to hear that you're bringing a problem and you're not putting it on them to fully solve it. You need to initiate a solution, right or wrong. You just have to. Otherwise, they only just feel overwhelmed and and they think you're just there to throw a problem at them, but don't want to be part of the solution. So we've talked about the mentor side of a mentorship program, where especially in Automotive Masterminds case, you guys have done something more formal and you do a more formal pairing process. We've talked about it from the mentee side and how to ask someone to be a mentor and things to to bring up to them. If a, if, a, if a mentor wants to start implementing a mentorship program, what's the best way they can go about it? I think a few tips, and I mentioned some of it already, but number one, um, it should be um, a, a public knowledge of the organization so everybody understands and accepts that there is a that is something that's happening. Uh-huh. Is a, it shouldn't be like under, you know, underground or like unknown to everybody. It should be like something that it's known. Number two, uh, make sure that the, um, you do the best you can to find right matches, which is an accept that might not be right the first time. So there's got to be flexibility. And often enough, the matches are good when they're even not necessarily in the same genre of role or even department, etc. It doesn't have to be that way because you can learn more from different departments. Yeah. Also, make sure that it's clear that the mentees need to put the majority of the initiative, the work, because the mentees needs to bring questions and, and problems that they want to solve for both themselves and the organization and then um, make sure that there is a very regular check-in on progress if there is a, you know lesson learned things to do better the other thing we you can you can do is if if say the the mentor has presentations or things that they want to run by the mentee and vice versa. There's like ways to collaborate and things, even though they might not have the same type of job. Mm-hmm. That would be really really helpful. So um, all of those things like very common sense to be honest. But if you put them all together, the other thing is like if there's multiple. Uh, mentor-mentees type of pairing in the organization it's also good to get these people together in groups and chat about the experience because there's tons of ideas that you wouldn't think of that maybe other people did Uh think of so um, kind of group settings are great and yeah I I think you know make the, the, the mentor needs to understand and it the person would, but like eventually, but needs to understand that this is beneficial for them as well, first and foremost. Because if they 
once they do understand that, they're they they actually um, are promoters of the or the, of the program first themselves, and also they feel more fulfilled as leaders. I would think so. Yeah, and and want to stay the organization as well as the mentees, and you know pay it forward if you have been mentored before and you feel you have something to offer to somebody even if it's not officially done um, build a relationship with somebody else below you and or not below but you know like junior than you and 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 start learning yourself how to be a mentor that way and i you know listeners i will share with you this is of course any time is probably good to adopt and implement a mentor program However, certainly now with the economy being as good as it is and with some stability, then absolutely, you know, start planning for the future, start training your future workforce, start bringing up uh, some of the entry level positions and graduate them into the mid-level position so that eventually they can take over a senior level position. That continuity is better to do in a stable economy than in something where they're, you know, we are going through some kind of depression. Um, well, Georgia, I, I love all those tips. They're very, very practical. Um, how could people follow you, Georgia? Um, well, so I'm on LinkedIn. Um, that's probably my favorite place, being a professional. Obviously, I'm on Facebook. I'm not a Twitter gal. <laughs> it's not my thing. Um, that shows you that I'm not a millennial. And uh, but See, that, link- that, sh- that should be your, your mentee should be yes. so versed in Twitter. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love LinkedIn from a professional standpoint and uh, I'm on Instagram as well but um, probably not as active as Facebook believe it or not um, but so LinkedIn is the best place yes. and then so somebody can look you up on Instagram and be like hey look I'm looking for a yoga mentor and this yes. person actually uh, can, can, mentee, I, can mentor yeah. me to this day yoga is my sanity and my retreat and my my real passion in life, I think. <laughs> Otherwise, with a six-year-old these days, it gets harder and harder to do any of it. <laughs> and r- remind me here, how do you say cheers in Italian? Salute. Salute. That's what I thought it was. Salute. Well, listeners, I will put George's information on the episode page. You could follow her on LinkedIn and Instagram, but not Twitter. <laughs> um, is, George, have we... Is there anything that I left out? Um, no, I think you did a f- tremendous job and I really, really, really appreciate the opportunity to speak. It felt great and I hope it was helpful for any of the listeners. Um, yeah, I hope to be back soon. Well, great listeners. Uh, again, visit the episode page to learn more about Georgia. Follow Wisco Weekly and binge five new episodes of the show at the last week of every month. And as we end every episode, Cheers, prost, lachan, kipis, nastravi, salut, kampai, mabruk, tutsint, gambe, yamas, nastrovie, vo, and salute to the customer experience. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode with us. We love having you along on our journey. I'm your co-host, Kelly Cruz, alongside Dennis Wisco. It has been three years, if you can believe it, and there's been a lot of changes over these last few years. One important point to note is that we have two wonderful media partners, Automotive Mastermind and Commotion Miami. Uh, We also have a lot of great new things coming to you through our various social media channels. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, 
YouTube, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Five different social media channels all bringing great content to you. And you can see things such as new inspirational thought leaders that we were meeting out at various conferences like the Women in Automotive, Cup Holder Reviews, uh, new cars that are coming to you. We are so happy to have you along. So again, please continue to follow us. Let us know if you have any questions and we will be back with you soon.